Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 120 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of autism, The Undertaker. And my name is Alex Dorio, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Mr. Travis White. Travis White. My friend. <laughs> Quite an introduction. I love that. I had to give it to you no tonight. Never introduced me that way. Well. Well, thank you. I do call you Mr. Travis White every week. It is appropriate to, to that bust that out on this episode because <laughs> we are talking about The Undertaker with the young up-and-comer Mr. Kennedy at No Mercy 2006, the beginning of the trilogy between Taker and Kennedy, and really a vital match in the career of The Undertaker as one of the things we've discovered through doing this podcast is sort of storylines we didn't even know were there throughout Taker's career, and one of the underlying ones is that he's kind of always been in pursuit of this title that's eluded him, the United States Championship, all the way since the WCW days, and here we are, 16 years later, he's going to be going for it again with Mr. Kennedy. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and like just recently on Raw this week, Rey Mysterio won the U.S. title, and so like, you know, never say never, you know, Taker could still come back and go after <laughs> it WrestleMania this year or something. You know, let's not count him out. You know? So yeah. It's funny, yeah, 1990, he fought against Lex Luger, we covered that on here, and uh, yeah, 16 years later, going at it again, so. Yeah, let's not count him out, man. Except, not a title match. Mm, well, touche. <laughs> <laughs> just go with me here, okay, man? I'm just trying to, trying to make something oh, no. out of nothing here. No, I love that. <laughs> That's what we're going to try to do here, because, yeah, there's not much talk about here yeah this is not gonna be one of the most exciting build-ups and exciting match trilogies that we'll ever talk about here and we'll get into that we're gonna try to make the most out of it and have fun with it here uh we still got plenty of the great Kali to talk about on this episode as well mm. unfortunately so we'll tie up those loose ends uh we've been talking about them for three weeks now and they're only gonna get one pay-per-view <laughs> match out of this feud weirdly yeah. enough uh, we'll get into that uh, but it is Thanksgiving week, Travis. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you as this episode is dropping here on, on Black Friday. And uh, I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for this time that we get to share with each other every week and share with all the fellow creatures of the night. But truly, us as Undertaker fans, we all have something to be thankful for this week. And that is the special on the WWE Network that aired this past Sunday, the Broken Skull Sessions, the two-hour in-depth, unfiltered interview The Undertaker did with Stone Cold Steve Austin on the WWE Network. Let's kick things off this week and give a little analysis of this because I know all of our fans out there, I'm sure everybody listening to this watched it this past week. And as the uh, self-proclaimed world's most... Uh, uh, world's biggest Undertaker experts uh, that we are. I feel like we have to give our analysis on it, man. So, uh, did you love it as much as I did, Travis? And what jumped off? Uh, uh, what jumped off the screen to you most of all through watching this? What jumped off the screen didn't even jump off the screen. What jumped off the screen jumped off out of in, 
out of my ears, actually, because I heard an interview with Steve Austin where he said that they actually talked for three to four hours and recorded. And there's some stuff left on the cutting room floor. They had to edit it together. It's like a you know two hour thing or whatever. He's not sure if they'll do a second one with it. But anyway, so I just got four words, and that is release the Snyder Cut. This <laughs> 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 is hashtag release the Snyder Cut. You, you know, bring it back to comic books here, like wrestling. Like let's just do it. Let's just. Get it all together. Let's do a you know special collector's edition. There's like what 15 editions of Blade Runner out there. All this extra footage. Like let's go with the the deep cut and get all the the deleted scenes. So, but but I mean that in a good way because I wanted more. I could not take my eyes off these guys, man. So many cool stories and just seeing them legitimately having a good time with no agenda, just talking like that. That was so fun just to watch, you know, and we'll, and we'll break down some of the stuff they talk about, but that right there was my favorite part, which is watching these two dudes who we love so much and a big part of our lives and our childhood growing up, just shoot the crap there at the table. You know, it was awesome. Shoot the crap, taking shots. You know, I, I felt like I was <laughs> yeah. right there with him. I did not have a shot of Jack or anything, but uh, I felt like I no. could have just jumped right in with him. And uh, it was it was unprecedented, really. We've honestly yes. we've never, ever gotten this level of access to The Undertaker in history. Nope. Like, we, we talked mm-hmm. about that, uh, what was it, Fab Four interview he did before mm-hmm. uh, one night only pay-per-view and that was cool that was a little bit of peeking behind the curtain uh and then there was that michael landsberg interview we talked about off the record or whatever yep. like early 2000s um and then we've seen you know in recent years he did that a inter- couple interviews with his pastor but they were not not as in-depth and not as long um you shared that video with a couple of like developmental wrestlers or, or indie wrestlers that he did. Oh, yeah. That was uh, at, yeah, at, at Schmidt's barbecue. Yeah. Schmidt family barbecue. <laughs> right. <laughs> but never, never Shot of slits. two hours of just him with Stone Cold, a guy who he respects, who he's going to open up to, that he's actually going to let down his guard fully and share these stories. That yeah. was so cool. Like you could see the vulnerability, the honesty of him, mm-hmm. you know, Stone Cold at one point asked him, like, are you a worrywart, dude? Because he kept telling me stories about him being worried and being anxious and nervous behind the scenes, which is just like you never see him ever let his guard down that much. So that was just so, Mm -hmm. uh, so cool, man, uh, to see him humanized in that way. Oh, yeah, that uh, that's a perfect word, humanized, man, just to see him that because we we talk on here about so much about how great he is in the ring and the way he has his control over his character and all the things he does. And we hear all these backstage stories about him. He's a locker room leader. But you had to see him and hear him talk about the fact that, you know, he was concussed. He has no idea where in that Brock Lesnar match. And he thought that could have been the last night. He doesn't know. But he didn't want to go out as a shell of his former self. And so he keeps getting coaxed into coming back. He thought the Roman Reigns match could have been the last one. He made a statement, leaving his stuff in there. He said, you know, right. I can't come out here and give a speech, a rah-rah, a bye-bye, I'm gone speech. Like, that was it, which was the impetus and the catalyst for this podcast. <laughs> and then to see him even talk further about when he mentions at home, he thinks he's going to retire. Even his wife, Michelle, McCool, rolls her eyes like, okay, great. Like, <laughs> it's as so much of a joke as it is to us, too, you know. So, yeah, it's just great. It was, all that was awesome. Yeah, it was nice to have him confirm that we were not idiots for thinking he was retired. No, yes. this podcast. 
Although maybe we were idiots for starting this podcast. Who knows? But um, it was great to hear that. Um, man, a couple of my favorite stories. Uh, I won't spoil them all in case you haven't out, been out there and watched it. I don't want to retell them. But just the, the first couple stories he shared uh, about being trained with by Buzz Sawyer and Buzz Sawyer showing up at the yeah. door. Yeah. <laughs> butt naked <laughs> to train him. Like I cracked great. up on the couch. <laughs> And the Cypress Hill story with X-Pac about drinking the boys from Cypress Hill under the table. That was the peak of the podcast. I keep calling it a podcast, interview, whatever it was. That was the highlight for me, man. Yeah, I did not not see the the band Cypress Hill coming up at all. (laughs) Like, that was – I'd never heard that story. That was insane, man. That was – and how insane was it? It was insane in the membrane. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm just saying. That was a softball but, uh, right there. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, that story and his his Xbox impression is spot on. Spot on. <laughs> it's, yes. it's spot on. And that that story and the plane ride from hell story too, because mm. uh, they talk about that you know what happened in an insurrection that we commented in this match and seeing that whole interaction with him and Steve Austin was great. But yeah, the plane ride from hell story, he just. That that was awesome. Yeah, he and, and and watching him talk about hearing him talk about his loyalty to Vince because you know saying that this is the guy that gave me everything when Ole Anderson and WWE told me I would no one's ever going to pay to see you, and that was another thing that wasn't lost on me because we know that that's what it wasn't necessarily the words that Eric Bischoff said, but that's kind of, you know, the, the, the actions Bischoff took when he fired Steve Austin. Oh yeah. So seeing these two guys that basically down in Atlanta, were told you're not good enough. Go on to become two of the biggest stars. One actually a box office, you know, as far as Austin, but like Taker is just, he's more than just that. Like he's, he's the reason we're doing it. Like to see them and like just, and hear them talk about how far they've come from those early days. Well, it was just, it wasn't lost. The irony wasn't lost on me. <laughs> yeah, you know, as much as both of us love WCW and have stuck up for them through the years, that that right there just yeah. shows you why why they went out of business. You know, at the end of the day, that kind of sums it all up. That they couldn't yeah. see that yeah. in those two And we got one, the One Warrior Nation instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got Mongo McMichael and the One Warrior Nation. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, A couple other things that we've mentioned throughout our series of the podcast that I thought it was cool to see them talk about. You know, the the Taker Rooney, that we got some analysis on that, one of our favorite moments that was great to see. Um, You mentioned, you know, uh, Undertaker being concussed or, uh, you know, they talk about the SummerSlam 98 match and how it didn't live up to expectations because of Stone Cold's concussion. That was a big conversation that we had on the show back when we did that episode. And then mm-hmm. I loved hearing Undertaker talk about Jake the Snake and how like he was the one guy he went Golly, to yes. for advice back in those days. So that was cool because we you know we talked about how we loved that match and how we saw that influence in there. So that was cool to hear Undertaker confirm that and say that on the show. Yeah, and all that was great. Yeah, hearing him talk about Jake was fantastic. And uh, also one thing when he talked about the early days is. And Austin pointed out too is like, and we, I think we've even touched on it here when we covered some of those Japanese matches and the early WCW stuff. Is like he had to change his style completely when he became Undertaker. He can go on the top rope. He can run. He can jump over. He can leapfrog you. And he starts to add some of that stuff as we've broken down. You know the the flying cow thing or the old school like. But 
he and he talks very vulnerably about consciously having to pull back and not do those things and it was a struggle for him at first but he knew he had to that's not what this character would do and just see and just hear him talk about the fact that like he's playing a character he's not and it's no offense to any of the guys nowadays or any of the guys that just come out and are themselves like Shelton Benjamin love that guy but, but he's not a character he's just Shelton Benjamin you know what I'm saying like he doesn't have a character to get into like it's so the fact that Taker took on this persona and made every aspect of the game revolve around that persona again that's why we're doing this podcast not one about the called the gold standard about Shelton Benjamin again no offense to Shelton <laughs> love the guy but I'm just saying you know yeah that, that'll be on our Patreon soon the gold standard gone through Makes every sense. Shelton Benjamin yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> But but you're absolutely. Does that make sense? So I'm not trying to be disparaging. That was going to be my last point that I brought up is just the wisdom that we saw in there. Yeah. I hope every everybody else on the roster watched the special and took Mm -hmm. something out of it because he did. Man, he summed up. He 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 reiterated many times like there's a lot of stuff I could have done like back in the early '90s. Like I could have been jumping off the top rope. I could have been doing flips and stuff. But it made him. As much as that would have made him stand out, it made him stand out even more to not do those things and to like take exactly. a minute between doing each move and to let those pauses and let those moments sit. And man, that I think is the biggest lesson. So many guys, when you watch any company, not WWE, AEW, NWA, you know, I don't care, Ring of Honor, New Japan, so many guys need to hear that and remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I hope across the board in the professional wrestling business, people watch that, you know? I'll give them my, my, my next subscription. <laughs> Tweet us. I don't, you need to see this. Like, you need to pay attention and understand that this is not some J-Brown telling you this stuff. This is the Undertaker, and God knows what he's doing. So He does. He but does, man. Another cool thing was just talking about how it's, it's not over. You know, It's not over yet, so we don't know when he's going to come back, but, you know... He'll be back. And he obviously puts a lot of time and effort in his comeback. So he talked about how it's like almost like going to fight camp now. Mm-hmm. Like for like UFC, like he, he has to train hard because he doesn't wrestle all year. So it's a big thing for him. They talked a lot about his pain, the literal physical pain he's in. So right. just seeing him talk about that, that's not something you, you expect the Undertaker to talk about because he knows sells it. So seeing his vulnerability was great, man. But yeah, the wisdom and the vulnerability – it's five stars, man. If this was filmed in Tokyo, it'd be seven stars. It's great. <laughs> I just loved it. I loved it as well. Uh, I, I encourage everybody else to go. If you haven't watched it for some reason, please stop what you're doing. Uh, abandon your family at Thanksgiving. Yeah, go, turn watch us off and go watch this. Watch it multiple <laughs> times so that they'll make more. Uh, re- release the Stone Cold cut. Uh, release all the extra footage. <laughs> yes. and give us all of it. I'll pay more money a month to see more of it. I don't care, man. Uh, but, uh, the only thing I could say is like, it, it was two hours, but there's so much stuff that he didn't get into. And I got so many other questions to ask Undertaker that you know, oh, the invite yeah. is open to the, to the family barbecue so that we could hitch up with those yes. follow-up questions. I mean, that that's where you're really going to get in depth <laughs> here and get to the bottom of the stuff that we have all the real questions about, like. Why was your family buried in Long Island, New York, uh, back in 1998? Like, we need to get to the bottom <laughs> oh, of things like that. Yeah, I got the answer from Russo, but I don't believe him. So, yeah, right. we got to well, get the answer from the we need it from the man taker. Himself. So, yeah, and, yeah, a lot of questions. 
as you mentioned, Travis, he said on the show he is going to end things on his terms, not on anyone else's. And thank goodness he yep. was not ready to end things here back in 2006 uh, at this match because it would not have gone down as one of his best. But uh, we're going <laughs> to talk about why we think that and try to make some fun out of it here uh, as we uh, take it back from 2019. Let's get to why we're here to 2006. Take that trime, trime, trime traveling hearse, whatever you want to call it, uh, back to yeah. after Great American Bash. The Punjabi prison, the match that was supposed to be Undertaker versus Great Kali, but his liver enzymes were a little bit too elevated, so Taker had to take on the big show instead, <laughs> and let's see what happens as we follow up with that. The SmackDown after that, there's literally no follow-up, no mention, no anything. I don't recall seeing any highlights on it or anything. It was just, we skipped across that. So yeah. the next week on SmackDown is August 4th, 2006. Um, the main event is the uh, World um, Heavyweight Champion King Booker versus Taker. But before we get to that backstage, we see Booker kind of fretting over talking or over you know having this match, and Queen Charmel kind of calms him down and says that by the end of the night, the whole arena will be chanting, "All hail King Booker," which I know you and I were definitely chanting that. But the only high spot on uh, SmackDown these days, so. Oh yeah, man, he is just all in on this guy. I mean, like we he just he's just been doing it for a month now and he's been shot up yeah. into the world championship, man, career resurgence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, that's the main event and um take your he's doing work here in this match, hitting big moves and it's choke slam and uh it's it's not their greatest outing, but it's not their worst. They they have they have pretty good chemistry, but after the choke slam, uh, Kali and Davari come out, and Kali gets in the ring and chops Taker over the head, and then puts the boots to him and puts his foot on him and yells as he's been apt to do in these last few months, just Bleh! with his foot on somebody's chest. But at this point in time, Taker's had enough. He ain't having any more. He knocks that foot off like it's one of those razor sharp spikes at the top of the Punjab prison, and uh, he gets off. He starts wailing away on Kali, winds up. Close on him over the top rope, and then he grabs a microphone and just makes his point, and he says, you, me, SummerSlam. Wow. Last man standing. Oh, my! And uh, Kali and Davari back up the aisle. Let's take her just kind of stares at him, and the show closes out. So that's how, I mean, that's how we go off the air there, is that. So, you, you me, SummerSlam, last man standing. Oh, man. There uh, it is. Challenge. Punk card pulled. Punk card pulled. I, I love that he's been selling so big for Kali for like the past two months. And then all of a sudden, he's yeah. just like, F this, man. He just swats <laughs> yeah. him away. Just sends him back. And he's like, I'm not messing with this yep. anymore. Uh, and they're going to fight a SummerSlam. Like, for sure now. They're yeah, going to make up for this great American Bash match. And they're going to fight at SummerSlam. Can't wait. As uh, August 11th, 2006, Davari and Kali, they actually open up the show this week. Uh, Davari, though, says he does not accept The Undertaker's challenge. He's Now they're totally afraid of Undertaker. Davari's like, yeah. who does he think this guy is? Uh, Kali's beating Undertaker up week after week after week, so he doesn't need to face him and Undertaker. And again, Undertaker is sick of this. He's not messing around anymore because the gong hits. 
And Undertaker comes out, and you can tell he already means business because the straps are already down. No jacket, no hat <laughs> when he comes out, man. <laughs> I was amazed. I was like, yeah. what happened? <laughs> nah, oh. dude. No time for that. And uh, he does, dude. He starts throwing hands with Kali immediately, takes Davari down, blocks Kali's double choke slam, and then... In a first here, Undertaker gives Kali a choke slam, and that's the first bump we've seen Great Kali take the entire time mm-hmm. he's been in WWE. So he just absolutely means business here. Yeah, from the what the week after WrestleMania. was it WrestleMania mm-hmm. until now. So yeah, like four and a half months, he hasn't taken a bump. All of a sudden, he does. So, and that choke slam is. That's about on par with the Hogan one from 2002, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not pretty, but it, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we'll take what we can get here with Kali. Uh, JBL, though, he thought it was as big of a statement as Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bradshaw. Hey, come on. <laughs> yeah. He tried. He, he tried. tried. He's trying to hype it up. He, hit, he hit a double. He hit a double with that one. So. <laughs> Well, my yeah. favorite part of all this, though, is afterward, Davari, he's backstage, he's whining and crying to Teddy Long, and as we all know, Teddy Long is the wrong guy to complain to about The Undertaker. How dare, I can't even believe The Undertaker, he came out there, he attacked me, he attacked the great Cully, we were just answering his You know t- what you need to do? You need to take that bass out your boys and keep it down in here. Now, what's the problem, player? Undertaker. Came out, he punched me in the mouth, he chokeslammed that great collie. And this is your show, Teddy. Get control of it. Divide list off all the things Taker just did to Collie in the ring, and Teddy's response is, and? <laughs> it's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> That's my boy you're talking about. <laughs> um, oh, man. Teddy gets so mad that he says, He's going to take Kali off of SummerSlam, and he's going to make Taker go one-on-one with Kali next week on SmackDown in that last man standing match. No more SummerSlam. Now this match is going to go on the go-home show to SummerSlam in just a very strange turn of events. And I tried to look stuff up. I tried to do some research. I have no idea why this match got taken off SummerSlam. You, you have any guesses? I can't find anything, and I don't... Has Bruce Pritchard covered SummerSlam 06? I don't think he has yet. I don't think I thought so. that might... It might be all BS, but it'd be worth a listen <laughs> to hear what he has to say, but yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe he um, had... Um, I don't know, deflated liver enzymes instead of <laughs> elevated? I don't know. <laughs> he couldn't make it another week. I don't know. Maybe his... I don't have no idea, man, but I, I just hope that The Undertaker got the SummerSlam payday for this match. Right. Because um, he gets the spot of the card taken off. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's a big, big deal. big news. So, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the only thing but, I can um, think yeah, of I is, like, they were afraid of putting Kali on pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, it, they thought it needed to be taped or something. I mean... I, mean, I don't blame I, them. <laughs> I don't either, but I, I just... It's so strange that Undertaker, of all people would get that treatment of getting bumped off the second biggest show of the year. Yeah, because we've seen that like last month they didn't mind just replacing him with somebody else. So we know that the precedent's been set. They're they're okay with that. So they could have done that, but they didn't. But 
Anyway, well, yeah, that takes us to SmackDown August 18th, 06. Um, this is the go-home for the SummerSlam. And uh, the show opens with this really good like, pay-per-view quality level video about Kali's, just all his destruction, his mockery of Taker, all the stuff we've covered, the brawl from last week, the choke slam, but it completely skips the Punjabi prison. Big Show's involvement. <laughs> None of that is on there. And it also edits the fact that Taker said, you, me, SummerSlam, Last Man Standing. It just says, you, me, Last Man Standing. So That's right. Yeah. If you don't pay – if you're not a, a, a mark like us, pay attention to every word that they say, um, you wouldn't know. You know. If you're just tuning in, but, oh, cool. You know, so, but uh, I hate when they rewrite their own history. It's so recent. Like, it drives me nuts. But anyway, but this match is like in the middle of the card. Too. It's not even like the main event. This right. Night. It's, it's insane. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's just, yeah, how bizarre. I got you. No, 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 I was just saying how how bizarre is it? <laughs> well, um, yeah, but um, what's also bizarre is that you pointed out your notes. Is this the first Last Man Standing match we've covered here? I, I, that was I my recall. question to you, man. I, I don't remember yeah. Undertaker ever being in one at, up to this point, unless you know. I, I'd love for one of our listeners to remind us of something. There may be an obvious one that we're just slipping. You know, we've done a hundred twenty <laughs> episodes at this point, so yeah. <laughs> forgive us if something slips our mind. But I can't remember out of all the stipulation matches Undertaker's been in that we've ever done a Last Man Standing one. Yeah, me neither. But anywho, somehow I'll correct us if we're wrong, but. Like I said, this match takes place in the middle of the card, and uh, Kali and Davari come out first, and JBL's making all kinds of Steven Spielberg, Jurassic Park, King Kong, blah, 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 all the same stuff he's doing at the Punjabi prison. Dude, he's um, a huge Jurassic Park fan. He brings it up every <laughs> week. Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I know. I'm, he and I have that in common. But yeah, it's uh, it's not even timely. Like, 06, there was the, let's see, 01 was Jurassic Park 3, so it's not even like it's timely references so it's been 13 years since jurassic park one so i don't know whatever but he was yeah, waiting he for a jurassic world man he's just he was man jones and jones and for jurassic world so but anyway we um takers making comes out makes his full entrance and cole tells us it's gonna be a clash of the titans as we come back from the commercial so yeah Getting the Clash of the Titans in there. That's we got right. the Spielberg. It's just it's summertime, man. Blockbusters, you uh, know. It's summertime blockbusters. That so. makes sense. Uh, the SummerSlam goes Hollywood, I guess. Um, but anyway, back from the break, these guys immediately go at it. Taker is, as we've seen the last two weeks on this build up uh, to a Ken Kennedy match with him that, uh, the Undertaker's more aggressive here toward uh, toward Kali. He's just really going at it. And then um, he like, actually takes a page out of his old, you know, opponent's book and starts working the legs of Kali because you got to chop that tree down, basically. Right. So they go up to the set, and Kali winds up throwing Taker off the stage through some tables. And Taker answers the count right about nine as Kali is like awkwardly posing and kind of looking down at Taker and looking back up. He just he doesn't speak English, bless his heart, so he doesn't know his cues and stuff. You can't fault him for that. So I can fault the company, but not him. So. Anyway, um, and then later on, Kali wraps Taker's arms around the ropes, chops him, does four chops on the head, which we've seen Taker go down with one, but now he is no selling. This one chop, he's up. Two chops, he's up. And so he does four of them, boots him, which I think a boot put him away during their match at Judgment Day, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that what the put last him away. Movie, yeah. He chopped yeah. him and booted him. <laughs> yeah. 
And Taker sits up for the 10 count. And then the stairs come in the ring. And Taker basically hits a one-man concerto. He has uh, Kali's head, <laughs> like, leaned on the steps. And then he smashes his head in between that and the, and the chair. And Kali is busted open. So he's taking a bump on his back. And he's blading now. Yeah. So <laughs> come a long way in four months. <laughs> so, but, um... He he, didn't, he, made, he sits up, he being Kali, and Taker drills his head with uh, brutal, brutal chair shots um, that will definitely elevate your liver enzymes. And, uh, I mean, the chair was, like, dented. is nasty. And um, hits a choke slam, and Kali can't get up. He's covered in blood. He can't get up. And Taker puts the Punjabi Prince away for now, so we're not going to see him for a little bit. So. Pretty dang decisive victory for The Undertaker there to wrap yeah. this feud up. Um, I have to think, yeah, this feud definitely got changed around and adapted once they saw what they had with Great Kali in the ring. And sure. Taker had to know. Well, I'm sure Taker wanted to get that sort of revenge as well uh, if he was going to put him over so strong at the beginning of it, too. So just right. kind of a weird ending to a very weird feud that never quite got off the ground like I'm sure they hoped it would. Uh, and we had to wrap that up here before we got into the Kennedy stuff and, and tie up those loose ends there. Travis, I got to ask you too. Like we, we've talked about movie rankings on this show before, so I'm just gonna throw you on the spot, man. At what, what? How would you rank the Jurassic Park movies, uh, including the world ones, or just the yeah, all three? five? Yeah. Uh, I say Jurassic Park one, uh, Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park three. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and then Jurassic Park 2 The Lost World as my least favorite okay. even though it's a Spielberg movie it's my least favorite yeah. uh, it's just too much I couldn't I just couldn't handle a lot of it so yeah I'm, I cannot wait for the next one Jurassic World 3 whatever it's going to be called Evolution or something but it's going to be great so big fan big fan that's probably exactly what I would do too that would probably be my yeah. exact same ones yep. yep we'll have to ask JBL what he thinks yeah you know so. Anytime he wants to come on the show and talk Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. I know 3 is really, like, is short and it kind of ends abruptly. Uh, and, like, the storyline is what, but, like, it, it blows 2 out of the water to me. Like, 2 two is a nightmare mm-hmm. of a letdown. But, yeah, Jurassic World was fantastic. What a great way to bring it back. Anyway, thanks for asking. <laughs> Anytime, man. Uh, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to blow through a month's worth of SmackDowns here real quick. Because yeah, nothing really happens with Undertaker. <clears throat> Uh, but we do see a couple things going on with Mr. Kennedy. Uh, really nothing with either guy of any importance on August 25th, 2006. Uh, on September 1st, 2006, Mr. Kennedy gets that United States Championship, uh, defeating Lashley and Finley in a triple threat match. Uh, so hey, Lashley, Finley, Kennedy. It sounds like the triplets somebody had. <laughs> like some millennial named their kid like all the same, like have to end the same way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Coming to a first grade class near you sometime. You yeah. Name. <laughs> yeah. This is Kennedy. This is Slash. This is Finley. I don't know <laughs> if those kid. are boys or girls' names either. Any of those. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Millennial Kennedy, uh, he's on <laughs> September 8th, 2006. <laughs> He, uh, he, you know, he's been on a hot streak. He's been getting a huge push all throughout this year. Uh, he's defeated three world champions so far in his career. And yeah. he 
uh, beats some jobber here on this episode of SmackDown, and he calls out Teddy Long to say that he's beaten everybody on SmackDown, and uh, apparently John Cena is potentially going to jump over to SmackDown at some point, so that's one of the Raw storylines. So Kennedy says he wants to go over to Raw. Yeah. And, you know, Teddy Long... Undertaker slid into those DMs again, I guess, because uh, <laughs> Teddy says there's one guy you haven't beaten, one guy you haven't defeated. Is that right? That's right. You got to Well, you know something, Kennedy? You do bring up some interesting points. Yeah, yeah. But however, there's one SmackDown superstar that you haven't taken on. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do, player. October the 8th at No Mercy... It will be Mr. Kennedy versus The Undertaker! You can't do that! And Kennedy is not too happy (laughs) about that, man. Nope. I wouldn't be either. No, he's not excited. Fresh Undertaker just got a month off. Exactly. Another month of PTO (laughs) here. Uh, He must have had that. Asked for that when he's like, man, you're not putting me on uh, SummerSlam. You better give me a month off go on vacation again. But uh, That's one thing. Let me interrupt real quick if you don't mind. That's one thing in that Broken Skull session he talked about is knowing that when when he changed to the American BA, knowing that he had to change because his stuff wouldn't really go in the attitude here. And then he he mentioned that he said knowing when to take breaks at the right time because he said, I know that if I'm getting stale – the audience knows I'm still before that because you're so wrapped up in yourself. So hearing him say that and being cognizant of the fact that he knows when to take breaks. And, not, and of course, we make fun of it because it's just, it's just funny, but play rolling gag. But, I mean, it, it's true, you know. So anyway. It does. Dude. I want to bring that up. Uh, that's only spot on. Part of why he stayed so fresh is because so many he, – he, he's not on TV every single week. Uh, it, it's, you know, yeah. been a huge part, a huge boost in his career here. I'll just wrap up SmackDown uh, September 15th. Uh, this is the last SmackDown ever to air on UPN after seven years of them being on that network. I believe that's the longest run SmackDown's ever had on a network as it starts to play hot potato over the next uh, decade or so. Uh, but on this episode, Mr. Kennedy defeats another former world champion, Rey Mysterio, with a roll-up and a grab of the tights. And, uh, you know, he's got to get one match in because Undertaker hadn't returned from vacation yet before this feud to really start in <laughs> yeah. earnest on SmackDown September 22nd, 2006. So uh, I'll let you take over from there. Yeah, like you said, this is the first episode of SmackDown on the CW as the UPN and WB have merged to form this Voltron network uh, called the CW. <laughs> so, uh, dude, I remember the WB, a little frog would dance around and say, the WB. Michigan J. Frog, man, of course. <laughs> Um, they had a name? Yeah, of course. What? They did. Michigan J. Frog. Michigan. Oh my word! I had no idea. That could be one oh, of the man. I'm blown away. Quadruplets with Kennedy That's and Finley and <laughs> Lashley. Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> the oddball. Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like the one that came like it's like a, a, the kid you have like 18 years after your last right. one. Like you accidentally <laughs> had it. It's like oh, it's Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> That one night you had in Michigan, you know, oh. <laughs> that's, that's what you named it after. <laughs> well, then, uh, yeah. Well, dude, I'm sure first SmackDown on a brand new network, I know that WWE's got a huge main event lined up for this episode of SmackDown, right? Oh, yeah. The main event is scheduled to be King Booker versus 
Big Vito in a draft. <laughs> what a way to make a first impression, dude. <laughs> and now, I'm not talking about six years earlier. This match would have been uh, the GI Bro versus, uh, what were they called? The Mamaloops. The Mamaloops. Like in WCW. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been what this was as a main event. But now we're going to get King Booker versus Vito. However, Booker T, excuse me, I apologize. King Booker is appalled. He is disgusted at having to face a peasant like Vito, a man that wears a dress. He would not touch such filth. And um, he is just like, I mean, he is over the top how like sickened he is by this. And um, Teddy's like, well, player, you're in luck. Because Vito has stepped aside out of respect for another competitor. He's going to allow them to take his place. And that person is... The Undertaker. And then at this point, man, Booker and Charmel just completely drop their gimmick and just start complaining like in their regular like suit voices. <laughs> it's so good. And I, King Booker, will not sully my royal hands by touching one who wears such filth. You won't? Well, you know, it seems to me, King Booker, that Vito has been undefeated since wearing that dress. That means nothing to me. But I tell you what, you know what, you're the luckiest man in the world, King, because Vito has willingly stepped aside so that you can take on a different opponent tonight. Ah, Vito is wise, for my mighty husband would have smote him. What fool have agreed to challenge King Booker to a just? Well, King Booker, tonight you will face The Undertaker. Your Majesty, welcome to the CW. No. Not you like a play? No. Oh, no. 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 You better pay your ass. It ain't going down like this, dog. This was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. It's like almost like on edits to know and they break character or something. But it was supposed to happen. But like, it's really funny, like to see because they're just like, wait, wait, wait! Like, he just totally <laughs> like, dropped oh, the kid. Hell no! Nah. What you talking yeah. about, Teddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's awesome, man. He calls uh, he calls awesome. Teddy Thaddeus when he's talking as King Thaddeus. <laughs> yeah, that's called Thaddeus. Yeah, and he uses like all this like old English words. It's so so great, man. Uh, I love it. Thou and stuff. It's great. Can we talk about what an idiot Big Vito is? He had a world championship match, and he's just like, nah, Taker. Oh, you got it, man. I'm going to send this one out. I'm, I'm sure I'll get another opportunity soon. I'm on a roll here. My time hey, will come. Hey, since he put that dress on, he's on a roll, man. He's undefeated. Vito in the blue dress, baby. <laughs> yeah. Big mistake. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, he uh well, you know, I don't think that was too far from his real personality. He's pretty much a moron. I I, <laughs> I used to, you know, listen to him on Russo's podcast mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He had his own show and he really uh he's pretty much the same guy you saw on TV back then, so Fair I got to give it to him for that. He's pretty much the same same dude, so it wasn't a gimmick. <laughs> it was just uh, But uh yeah, but yeah. Uh, as far as um, going with your um, your career, furthering your career to get to the top, it was a pretty stupid move. But anyway, maybe uh, he just had a lot of respect for the, the, the Taker man. That's so, it, for sure. Anyway, Mr. Kennedy comes out to join JBL and Michael Cole on commentary, and he is like, 
he is, in my opinion, he is way over the top as far as like when Taker's coming out and making his entrance. Like you'd think that this was 1990 Survivor Series and he was a child in the front row. Like the way he's reacting. Like he's like scared. Like he's and, and he says though, like I've never been this close to Undertaker's entrance and stuff. But like you've still seen him. Like you've still seen him on TV for 15 years. Like I don't know, man. I was just like it automatically. Like right then, just took me out of this feud. I was just like he's trying way too hard. Like exactly. overacting. Exactly, man. That's a great way to describe Mr. Kennedy in general, in my opinion. Somebody who's trying way yeah. too hard. And I felt the exact same way as he, he's like, Taker's like got the smoke and lifting the lights. And Kennedy's like, what is this? What is this all about? And he, yeah. like, he, Taker starts the match and he's got his, you know, he's in his fighting pose. And Kennedy says, why does he have his fist up like that? I'm like. He's about to wrestle. Yeah. What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you? You wrestle. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, it's weird because like I remember being a fan of this dude like back then. Right. Like me he too. was like his, his his mic skills were good, but like I go back and watch it now. I'm like, what did I see? Maybe just because like sitting through the other turds that were on the show, you know, you found this little glimmer of gold in this like you know this pile of of candy litter full of turds on there. But like, so this guy actually has a character. But yeah, man, he's just over the top. We'll get more into it as we get to the actual match, too. But I will say this, man. It's bad to see Job. He's doing JBL is doing a great job of putting Taker over on commentary because he talks about their history in the ring together, you know. Um, but again, Kennedy's just like a little scared kitty on commentary. But he uh, he says, you know, I've scouted Taker on tape. I've never been this close. And, and then JBL presents a moment of foreshadowing that he says that uh, being in the ring with Taker is like grabbing a live wire. It's going to send sparks down you, which um, mm, hold that in your memory bank for yeah. for for next week. So, yeah, anyway, but getting kind of back to the match, King Booker slips out of a tombstone, gives uh, Taker a Death Valley blow to cause a DQ. So, you know, Taker, Taker wins the match but doesn't win the title because um, of the DQ. And Kennedy is just super excited on commentary, and but he's like gritting through his teeth like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, like I'm like, dude, what is happening right now? Like, just I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if Vince was not backstage at SmackDown tapings or something. He just, I don't know, man. But yeah, it's too much. I, I would have pulled this guy aside and said, "This is too like dial it back just right. a second, man. Just just turn it back to ten. You're at eleven. Just turn it back. You know, um, less is more." Which Taker said on the Broken Skull sessions. Bingo. Um, yeah. So anyway, Lashley comes in because uh, he's feuding with. Booker and he throws him in the ring and Taker sits up, hits him with a choke slam and Tombstone's King Booker to get that baby face heat back. <laughs> you know, you got to get that baby gotta face get heat. them baby face pops. So exactly. And uh Taker locks eyes with him and stares down Kennedy and Kennedy does the Vincent Man gulp, which you know, they'll like you see is Adam's apple and Taker does a throat slash and Kennedy is just quiet and speechless for the first time in a long time. That's kinda of his gimmick is how much he talks, but um yeah, I know Vince saw a lot in this guy because his name was Kennedy, allegedly after Vince's middle name. I mean, his name's Ken Anderson, but the story goes is that he gave him Ken Kennedy because he was kind of like the the chosen one. And we'll see that when he wins money in the bank next year and all this kind of stuff. But you know, uh, he also fumbles the ball <laughs> mm. <laughs> next year. 
Yeah, man, it was so weird yeah. looking back at it because back in 2006, you know, he jumped off the screen and I, you know, yeah, he was. Yeah. He did a lot of those things that we complain about people not doing, and he showed personality. He he seemed different, but man, when you look back at it, it kind of just is him saying his name and that's <laughs> like that's the peak of it dude because uh we'll talk about the match here a little bit but it, it ain't anything special and man his promos like the one i'm going to talk about it leaves a lot to be desired and it just hasn't aged all that well um it was mm. i don't know man um it, it seemed cool at the time he's, but he's been he's yeah the uh, you know the world passed him by i guess yeah it was it started out because he had the microphone that came down from the top and all that stuff and the light. So that was neat, and his catchphrase was named. But, but you're right, that's about it. That's all the substance there was to it. You know, his theme song is atrocious. Right, that's terrible. And I don't know if it's like a I don't know if it's a it's a overdub or something on the network, but like whatever they got going on is awful. I don't know if it's one of those leftover ones from like forcible entry or something like that or reckless <laughs> intent, but it is. I mean, it is. Biz ad is real bad. <laughs> no, I think that was his real one. Unfortunately, I don't think it gets any better than that. But let's keep it going. September 29th, two thousand six. As this is another reason why this didn't click with me. As is, we get like a weird cliche that we've started to get recently. Is Mr. Yeah. Kennedy? He's dressed up in a black suit and doing a funeral service for the Undertaker, which we. Just saw Mark Henry do. We saw six months ago. Yeah, yep. We saw Kane do it. That's kind of become this new thing that we've seen a lot of now. So Kennedy's doing it. Of course, he's using that microphone down from the ceiling uh, that he used in all his promos. And he talks about last week being as close as he's ever been to the Undertaker, being in awe of him, and puts over Undertaker all the greats that he's defeated through the years. Shows a little video package, uh, kind of similar to the one we saw during the WrestleMania 22 buildup. Just going through really his whole yeah. career. <laughs> yeah, it might have been the same one. I don't know. Um, but he says, you know, as much as I want to defeat The Undertaker, I don't want to embarrass the dead man. I have too much respect for him. So I don't want to beat him in the ring. I don't want to be the one to defeat the streak at WrestleMania. I don't want to wrestle the Undertaker at no mercy. You know, a pretty good heel move, basically trying to chicken out sure. of it by saying sure. he doesn't want to beat him up too badly here. But that brings out the dead man. He uh, you know, makes his entrance, comes out there. Kennedy's acting terrified in the ring. And uh, I love this part. Undertaker grabs the mic while Kennedy's still holding it in his hand and like holds Kennedy's hand holding the microphone yeah. as he talks into it. Says, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's something important you need to know. I show no mercy. Getting the plug in for the pay-per-view right there. Well done. And tells Kennedy. <laughs> there's something important I think you should know. I show no mercy. And you will rest in peace. And Taker starts to walk away, turns his back on Kennedy. And Kennedy gets this big idea. He's going to attack the Undertaker with his microphone. But as he goes to run at Undertaker... That microphone starts sparking and explodes in his hand like a live wire, just like JBL foreshadowed last week. Uh, yep. 
it's kind of a cool visual, but the crowd doesn't really know what to do with it. They seem kind of confused by it. As Kennedy runs out of the ring, they don't really pop for it, but Undertaker just kind of does his pose in the ring, and, and we cut to commercial here, uh, and it was just a little, uh, a little awkward. It was awkward because if you're not in the if you're in the audience, you don't hear the commentary, so they're putting over that it's Taker that did it. But like honestly, it just looked like a glitch or something. <laughs> like it didn't. Right. There was no like. Usually, when Taker does those things theatrically, like throw his hands up or down or something, or the lights will flicker and like something will strike. But this was just Kennedy holding onto it, and it just sparks in his hand. So like it, it literally looked like a glitch or something that happened. So the crowd didn't get the whole story of it was Taker doing it. And another thing that was weird is that when you're watching this SmackDown, like they show a replay of it, and then when it comes back, Taker's in the ring, like you say, doing the throat slash, but he no longer has his hat or his coat on at all. He just goes from having it on, yeah, the thing explodes in Kenny's hand, and then he doesn't have it on. So I'm assuming there was some sort of physical confrontation or something that they edited off, but I could not find, like, I mean, it's... Yeah, I couldn't find, like, the 13-year-old notes from somebody live there, some little geek putting it up on, like, a fire saying, like, oh, hell's here tonight, here's what happened. Like, I couldn't find anything like that. There was no Reddit back then. But um, I'd like to know if there was something that was cut out there because, yeah, he just suddenly had a wardrobe, like, change. But anyway, yeah, not important. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Something clearly edited out there. And uh, I don't maybe the special effect didn't go right the first time. I don't know. Uh, but it, uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. One of those things that look better on paper, uh, sort of like Mr. Kennedy in general. <laughs> sure. Well, that's going to bring us to the next week, and this is SmackDown October 6th, 06, the go-home show for No Mercy. Uh, and we see a backstage promo with Mr. Kennedy sitting like he's ace Slater, man, just in a backwards <laughs> chair. He's got a black long-sleeve shirt on, black cool room. Guy. He's just none more black. Yeah, like to quote, um, to quote Spinal Tap, just, he gets none more black there. Like it's just great. So, yeah, real cool guy, you know, sitting backwards. Um, but he says that Taker has accomplished everything in this industry by playing mind games. You know, he's got caskets and hearses and buried alive. But I'm here to tell you that nothing, nothing that you can conjure in the deepest, darkest recesses of your mind will compare to the shock and awe that these people will experience when I pin you. And no mercy on Sunday, Undertaker, you will find out that the decade and a half of destruction is over. And the future has arrived. The future is me. The future is Mr. And I was waiting for him to say Kennedy again, but he didn't. He was in <laughs> serious Kennedy mode, and he just said it one time. So had some restraint. Is I mean that is that's all. Like there's no taker on there at all. There's no antics, no interaction with him whatsoever. So this storyline, basically, if you're following, was GM puts him in the match with him. He's on commentary and terrified of him. The next week, his hand explodes, and then he gives the AC Slater promo backstage i mean that's it that's it yeah i, I have know. to wonder if maybe maybe taker and Kali was supposed to go even longer and you know because 
it's weird that Kennedy has sure. the U.S. title here, like, and you know that doesn't factor into this match. So it almost feels like right. And this this whole feud just seems real slapped together. It feels like maybe they weren't supposed to start quite yet, or they made a pivot and change at some point. But uh, we'll never know. We don't really know the answer to that. Uh, that's just our analysis here. And uh, let's just talk about what did happen. No Mercy, two thousand six, October eighth, two thousand six, from the. RBC Center in Raleigh, North Carolina at NC State University. Say for Red Blood Cell? I don't know. <laughs> Elevate <Elevator> Enzyme. <laughs> Could be the Red Blood Cell Center. It's a whole theme going on. <laughs> Medical facility. But <laughs> you could chalk this up. Yeah, it's at NC State, man. That's cool. It is Wolfpack. cool. Yeah, man. There you go. Not not the Wolfpack, the other Wolfpack. No, no, no. Yeah. Exactly. Red and black yeah, center, maybe. maybe that's what it is. Don't turn I your back on. I wish WWE would use that music, like just randomly in the show, <laughs> one of those like <laughs> raw reunion ones or something. Yeah, like, why don't they bring back the dudes? Like when they bring back like like Nash and Hall and X, bring them back in the red and black, dude. Can you imagine if that song came over the speakers, dude? I would. I would buy huge for that song. Conan That's one of my comes songs out. of all time. Sting <laughs> comes out with the yeah. tomato paint on his face. <laughs> tomato face. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, but um, yeah, I digress. But yeah, this is one of those. I mean, I have never seen this pay per view, and I don't know why you would have. I don't know why anyone paid for this. Yeah, man. Like we've talked about it the past few weeks. SmackDown was just brutal during this time. So many bad gimmicks and bad feuds and over-the-hill washed-up wrestlers on there. Uh, neither one of us were watching SmackDown too much during this period. Um, we've put over King Booker. He was incredible, but yeah. not enough for either of us to tune in every week to see him. Man, that was right. pretty much the only thing going on SmackDown during this time. Yeah, exactly. And um, and just matches that you got every week on SmackDown, oh, they, they yeah. also do on pay-per-view, which is not yes. unlike today. But Matt Hardy and Gregory Helms? They wrestled for like a six week straight. Yes, seriously, and I love both those guys. I love them, but I don't want to see them wrestle for six weeks straight and then have a pay per view match. Like, yes, dude, that's not that's not important anymore. And so, like London and Kendrick versus, I think Eminem or the Pitbulls uh, or something. Damian Sandow, yeah. Oh, Damian yeah. Sandow <laughs> and uh, the other dude. Golly, yeah. guy that never drew a dime. But <laughs> Casey James, he never drew a dime. Right. <laughs> Uh, at least Sandow did something eventually. But yeah. What was his name? Austin Idol or no? Idol Stevens. Idol Stevens. Excuse me. Yeah, and they were with Mrs. Undertaker, Michelle McCool. Oh, there you hop, go. Hop, they were hot for teacher, man. They tie so. it in. I like it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, dude, this uh, the opening video of No Mercy only focuses on the World Heavyweight Title match. That's it. I think it's a four way. Is that right? Batista, Finley, Lashley, and and King Booker. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's it. So. You know, it, it, that's it. They don't highlight any other match on the card. And then you got JBL and Cole in commentary. And this match we're going to cover is in the very smack dab middle of. Yeah, it, you know, it goes on after the classic segment where we see William Regal's banger and mash uh, on screen on pay per view. <laughs> He's running around with the, <laughs> gets his towel taken off. <laughs> 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 My highlight of the night. Right it's edited off in that word, but yeah, he's backstage butt nude, and he, yeah, you get to see it. You get to see old 
Wall Willie Regal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy Long stops like he gets mad at him. He's like, "You're horse playing in the hallway out here." <laughs> what do you think this is? No horse playing in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, he sends him out for a match. Is it against Benoit? Is it Benoit yeah. returns again? Yeah, he sends him out. Oh man, we can be horse playing this hallway. You can't even get close on get out there for a match. You can't horseplay here. Like, Re- what? Regal's talking to... He sees Vito in the shower. And he's like, Was your father a donkey? <laughs> Good lord. You can't say that on television. It's pay-per-view, baby. <laughs> you think Regal remembers this night? Oh, I, no, not at all. Not a chance. <laughs> Uh, I hope not. Well, they did have to <laughs> issue an apology the next night because of um what happened. You know, you got yeah, to see his breaking really beans, see. so they had to legitimately give an apology. But it's on pay per view, so it's like they right. kind of got away with yeah. it. But yeah, anyway. So I, I was confused at the beginning. Is this match for the U.S. title or no? No, it's not it's on the not. line. It's just a match Dang. with the Undertaker. The world, the U.S. title is not on the line, so it's still. Taker still can't get his hands on that. Can't quite get it. And there. still evading him. It's been Man. 16 years. He's this close. This close. But he still can't get an opportunity. So, again, never say never. Ray Mysterio just won it. So, you know, we'll see what happens the rest still of this year. Still a chance. That's right. But, uh, yeah, so you're saying there's a chance. Man, Taker versus Mysterio? Give it to me. Yeah. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, yes, sir. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that on any continent. I don't care if it's in Saudi Arabia or not. I'll take it. So, dude. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm here for it. But uh, anyway, um, we get the video package. It's basically Kennedy's voiceover from the AC Slater promo, spliced with some footage. That's it. There was nothing much. And then he's going to come out first. Mr. Kennedy is. And uh, again, I just want to reiterate how bad his music sucks. And um, he calls for the mic, gives us his own, you know, weighing in it, whatever, 240 pounds from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And says his name twice uh, that's the gimmick and uh, i'm kind of over it at this point in real life like i'm it's not impressing me anymore <laughs> like exactly. I, I liked it but doesn't impress doesn't impress me much so yeah, yeah. like i feel like oof, this may be too harsh but i feel like we're gonna look uh-oh, back oh uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> we're gonna look back at uh kennedy kind of we're gonna look back at enzo and Cass, kind of the way we look back at kennedy now it's oh. like Man, I loved Enzo and Cass when they were so hot, but man, that was pretty much it. It was just like the little uh and the bell the rang. Entrance, man. Yeah. yeah, dude. That was all it was. I don't know. I may take Enzo and Cass over Kennedy. Like uh Yeah, I don't know. I think I will. I think I will. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll let this play out. Well, Undertaker, he makes his entrance. It's it's not as cool as some of the other previous ones. This set for No Mercy is not as cool as some of the other ones. But, you know, Undertaker takes his in, it takes his time and gets gets good reaction from the crowd. But uh, Cole and JBL, they are talking over his entrance here, uh, which dude, it's kind of lame. It drove me nuts, like more so this week than any other. Like, you just... Just shut up for a minute so we can soak in the aura of the Undertaker. That's part of the fun of it, you know. There's certain times where you need to speak over and tell the story. There's no story to tell. There's nothing. There's no story to tell, you know. Like so, just lay out. Let us be in the moment. But 
Yeah, but Michael Cole does say one of the things he blabbers is that the U.S. title is not on the line tonight. And then JBL says, you know, two years ago at No Mercy, I went one-on-one with the Undertaker. He tombstoned me on the hood of my limo and bloodied me up. And, I, and somehow I walked out the victor, you know? So, yeah, I do appreciate the continuity. I like that he brings up that history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Undertaker and Kennedy, man, they, they go right at it here. Undertaker comes storming at Kennedy, but... Kennedy moves out of the way. Uh, Undertaker knocks him down with a big boot, though. Uh, and Kennedy escapes the first old-school attempt, uh, as we've has become another cliche here. Undertaker never hits old-school on the first time. Uh, Kennedy rolls to the outside, and Undertaker goes out there, catches him, and starts slamming Kennedy into the stairs on the outside. Yeah, they're on the outside, um, slamming his arm to the stairs, like you said, JBL. Uh, says that when he's on there, when he's on his game, there's no one better than the Undertaker at all. Just not not talking about pure striker. He's talking about at all. Like there's no one better, which is a far cry from two months ago when he said that he's a shell of his former self in the ring with this Big Show. Right. It's like which one is it, pal? <laughs> but yeah, but um, Taker does that single arm lift that Kali tried to steal from him, um, and uh, Doug Kennedy's gonna powder to the outside and wait there and. Taker's going to continue to work that shoulder over. He does, dude. He slams that shoulder into the ring post, and they uh, trade some fists on the outside as the quote-unquote best pure striker in the history of sports entertainment is dominating things here. And Taker gets Kennedy into the ring and does hit old school. Uh, Oh, excuse me. He goes for it again, uh, but Kennedy hops up on the second rope this time. And tosses Undertaker off of the top rope. Uh, it's a pretty nice change of pace and a really big bump here. It was uh, probably my favorite spot of the match. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely the best spot of the match. Uh, definitely up to this point, but maybe in the whole thing. But yeah, Kennedy does. He does. I will give him credit. He does do a good job selling that arm. Taker's been working it. So he's on the offense now with just kind of just paint by numbers stuff that even Luther Reigns did. Just choking him with his mm-hmm. foot, you know, yeah. booting him. I mean, it's nothing more. You honestly could have put Luther Reigns in this or Heidenreich and it would have been the same Like as far as the work went. But um, Taker's back on the offense, and he does manage to hit old school this time. So he's tried it a number of times and finally hits it. And then he immediately hits that PTO flatliner and gets two count. And all the while, like right after this, Kennedy starts going in his bag of tricks. He's going to go over to the turnbuckle and to take a little page out of you know every old school heels book here. That's right. Takes the turnbuckle pad off, setting it into play here for later on. He doesn't immediately get to do anything with it, but setting that uh, Chekhov's turnbuckle pad, I guess. Uh, And Undertaker gets a clothesline on Kennedy, gets a two count, uh, chokes Kennedy in the corner, uh, sort of like a throwback to the old school day. We haven't really seen him do that, but kind of like he used to do, man. One-handed, rolls his eyes in the back of his head, and Chokes out Kennedy yeah. in the corner. That was pretty neat. And then uh, another throwback that we seem to see every week in here. Uh, Taker goes for a running big boot into the corner. Kennedy moves out of the way. And Kennedy bumps Undertaker to the outside. Uh, it's about the 15th time in a row this has happened to Undertaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he flops off and hits the barricade. And then Kennedy rolls out and starts kicking him and punching him. And then Michael Cole actually calls the undertaker taker uh, uh he says you know his eyes are rolling back of his head but not like taker normally does you know or something like that but he says taker and jbl is very quick to correct him and this one not done on office like taker sometimes does 
And Michael Cole apologizes and <laughs> is very sure to call him Undertaker for the rest of the match. So, yeah. Are, are we know. in trouble, man? Is that why Undertaker hadn't come to his bar- to our barbecue yet? Are we not allowed to call him Taker? Might be. Oh shoot! Yeah, we're not <laughs> we're not boys, so we can't call him Taker. I guess. Dang it! Um, it, it is weird though. You hear all his pals on podcasts and interviews call him Taker that have been and worked with him, but it is like a no no. Like on the air, they never do that. They always call him the Undertaker. Right. So maybe that's it, man. It's just we've uh, we, yeah we just we screwed the pooch, oh, I guess. So. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, talking uh, Undertaker episode one next week. <laughs> we gotta restart it. <laughs> Can't call it undressing Undertaker. He, I don't know what we can. Yeah. <laughs> Please, I don't, I'm not ready to call it that. No. We'll come up with something else. William Riggle might be. Oh. Well, back to the match here. Uh, Kennedy jumps off the apron, but uh, Taker catches him and ramps his spine into the ring post. And uh, they go back in the ring. Mr. Kennedy gets on offense this time. Knocks Taker off the apron again to the outside here. Dude, uh, again, yeah, again, man. This is this is quite the long match, um, and it, you know, it drags here in the middle. To be honest, um, I do appreciate Taker you know, is trying to break the count here. They're playing by the rules. Kendi hits a DDT on Taker, but Taker breaks the pinfall up with his foot on the bottom rope. Yeah, and then Kennedy's gonna drape uh, Taker over the middle rope and choke. And then hit the old what you know Stone Cold's old move or what we coined on here as the 409 by Mark Henry. He's going to run and jump on Taker's back, and uh, as he's you know laying with his shirt on there, and but then but then JBL says that the people here in North Carolina are shocked right now. They can't believe what they're seeing, which is also known as nobody's invested in this. I mean, as far as the story goes, That's you know. It, yeah. But I will say this: almost on cue. The crowd starts to chant for Taker, which is it was really funny. Like they start chanting like immediately after that comment. So, again, they're not chanting anti-Kennedy stuff; they're just chanting for Taker. So, mm-hmm. there's a difference. There is a difference, man. Uh, they're not really here for Kennedy, <clears throat> but they're they're always here for whatever Undertaker's doing here. Uh, Kennedy's controlling things, though. I'm here for what Kennedy does next. Oh man, he hits Zack Ryder's broski boot on Taker into the corner <laughs> yeah. for a two count. <laughs> I guess Ryder stole that from Kennedy. I had no idea. Um, Kennedy gets <laughs> yeah. another two count off some elbows. Starts choking Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker, uh, he fights back. He, he works in his apron offense. And then uh, the most ludicrous part of the match, in my opinion, happens here. As yes. Undertaker gets Kennedy back in the ring. But Kennedy, he, he cuts off Undertaker and he hits a pile driver. Let me make that clear. Mr. Kennedy hits a Jerry Lawler traditional pile driver. And for some reason, for some reason, Michael Cole multiple times calls it a tombstone. It says, oh my God, (laughs) Mr. Kennedy just hit a tombstone on The Undertaker. What is happening here? He's like, I've never seen anything like this before. And Kennedy gets a two count Ah. off it. JBL doesn't correct him. Michael Cole never backs off from it. And like, I, I don't. I did, this was like a throwback to 1999. Michael Cole 
Like, what yeah. is he talking well, about? I was about to send in the cavalry on him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what? Taker said that on the uh, on the uh, Broken Skull thing. He I said send in the cavalry. He yeah. did. I was like, dang you. Michael Cole has infiltrated you. Anyway, but yeah. I was serious, man. Like, I was aghast at this comment. Like, and, and like, I was more let down that JBL didn't correct him. He just corrected him, called him, uh, called him Taker. That's a prime right. opportunity to heal on Michael Cole, you know? No, he yeah. went along with it. But he's like, he oh, he's for sure going to yeah. win after that. I'm like, what are y'all watching? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It was crazy. But, um, yeah, I was, well, I mean, I was impressed at the apology driver because you didn't see those often. But then I was, right. it immediately went away with the commentary. Like, he just took all the coolness away. So, uh, I don't know. It's like when you're a kid and, like, you really like this band or something, or, like a movie, and all of a sudden your parent likes it too. It's like, ah, dang, never mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> not cool anymore. <laughs> ah, never mind. I don't like that movie. <laughs> I don't like that band. So, but, uh,. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know if that really applies, but I felt like it did. Absolutely. <laughs> Go with it. But Taker's going to get in a paper slash body scissors from Kennedy. His arm drops twice. Taker's does. He, the third one doesn't stop. I mean, he stops. He makes his way up to his feet, uh, suplexes that, out of it, and then they start is, trading uh, blows in the middle. In the middle. That, that little submission is absolutely incorrectly called a triangle by JBL as well, just to keep that momentum going of yeah, yeah. getting things completely wrong. Yeah. It's it's a sleeper with body scissors. That's yeah. all it is. It's it not at all a rear a naked choke or a sleeper. Like, that's it. <laughs> now, if William Regal did it, it'd be a rear naked choke. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> or, or naked Midian. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Again, still an open invitation for Dennis Knight to come on the podcast. Or William Ringle. Or Big Vito. Or, or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an audio podcast. That's right. Oh, man. Well, they start trading blows, and then JBL, he's like, you don't want to trade punches with Danger. You need a low blow and poke him in the eye. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> That'll work. JBL said that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. After that... Undertaker basically hits his moves of doom here. You know, the snake eyes, big boot, leg drop, all that stuff. Just gets a two count here. I uh, never quite can get the finish off of that, but, you know, be great one I, day. Yes, man. I would love to see a match where it's just like running down clothesline, snake eyes, big boot, leg drop, one, two, three. Like, that would be so neat. That'd be and fun. out of, like, it would just, it, it would just surprise you. And I'd like to be surprised in wrestling. Well, Undertaker, anyway, go ahead. He, he tries to finish him off with the choke slam here, which we have seen him finish off some guys with. But Kennedy like holds on to Charles Robinson here. That should be a DQ, but whatever. Yep. And then Kennedy gets able to slip out of Undertaker's hands. He hits a swinging neck breaker, uh, but misses an enziguri and does get hit with a choke slam after that. And then Undertaker's gonna reach deep into the bag of tricks for something here. Yeah, he's going to foreshadow into, uh, I think it's uh, Armageddon, and take him up for a last ride. And uh, Kennedy's going to punch out and almost run into the ref. And then Taker, like, I think they go over to the corner, and Taker um, goes for, like, to splash him, but he stops short because he don't want to hit Charles Robinson. You know, looking out for the referee there. But then uh, Taker actually just grabs Chuck and, like, kind of throws him away. And as he does, Kennedy rams his head, Taker's head into the exposed turnbuckle, which I believe, again, 
that JBL says feels like getting hit with a brick bat. So he's consistent with that <laughs> analogy. So where did he play baseball growing up? I don't know. I don't know. Where do you get a brick that size? Is there serious? Or is it just a tiny little baseball bat? It's a tiny oh, bat. Could be. Could be. <laughs> Well, Kennedy does something here. Uh, I did always like this about Kennedy. He hits the Kenton bomb off the top rope, man. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. He's a big guy doing that. It was interesting. Um, I guess he didn't do it as much when Jeff Hardy finally came back. Uh, if I, But I don't, I don't remember if he totally phased it out, but it was always cool to see him do that. Yeah, it was. I always like seeing big guys. Or bigger guys do that, you know. Like, like we talked about on this podcast, Sean O'Hare. I mean, when he did it, it, was just I loved it. You know, it was awesome. So, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, he hits the Kenton bomb. Taker kicks out. Taker sits up, and Kennedy powders out of the ring. He goes and grabs his U.S. title like he's desperate. He just he's either, either going to walk away from the match or going to use it as a weapon. But Charles Robinson tries to take it away from him, but Kennedy is going to grab it back. He turns around right into uh, right in the face from the Undertaker, so and that causes Kennedy to drop the title on the mat. And Undertaker, he sees that title, that title he's been chasing for 16 years, and he picks it up, and you know, just like the ring to rule them all, corrupted people. In the Lord of the Rings, the U.S. Championship <laughs> corrupts the Undertaker here as he <laughs> he punches Kennedy, grabs the U.S. title, smashes it over his head, and that's the finish of this 20-minute match is the disqualification on the Undertaker to give Kennedy the win. Dude, what a suck-tacular finish. That is awful. So lame. And that's like watching a bad movie, and then the ending sucks too. Like sometimes you can watch a bad movie, but the ending's cool. And it's like, oh yeah, that was neat. This is like watching a bad movie, and then the ending makes the movie even worse. Like it was oh, yeah. awful. There was no reason for Taker to do that from a storyline perspective. It's not like he's being manhandled, or Kennedy was cheating the whole time or anything, or like you know taking him off. Like it just, he just hit him with it. I don't know because it. Again, it just goes to show that this is definitely chapter one in the story. You know, this is we're not getting anything definitive here. It's chapter one, so. And that's why I think this match generally left a poor taste in my mouth because I mean, this was a this was a TV finish, man. This was a SmackDown finish. Yeah, it was. Right. The feud, and it was on pay per view, and we had to make it the focus of one of our episodes, and uh, it just kind of sucks here. But thankfully. You- Oh, Could have shaved this match in half, honestly. Could have been ten minutes and had the same finish, and yes. wouldn't have been as bad. It would have made more sense. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but thankfully, it's not over yet for us Undertaker fans, and we get to see him uh, do a little bit more action here to get some heat back on Kennedy. Oh yeah, Charles Robinson's going to raise Kennedy's hand like while he's lying on him. Taker just had enough of this, and he goes and he goozles Charles Robinson. And then clotheslines Kennedy and drops the elbows, a bunch of elbows on him like he's Dolph Ziggler or something. And then um, Kennedy's going to get up and turn right around into a tombstone. So going to send the, the North Carolina crowd home happy because they pop big for that. So, Mr. Kennedy's not the only one who's going to get it here as Taker's posing, his music is playing, and Undertaker turns over to Charles Robinson, the man who just DQ'd him. 
And the music stops. Charles Robinson is in for a bad night as well. As he goes up and gets a tombstone for his troubles as well on this night. Taker leaves looking victorious, even though Kennedy got the cheap yeah. victory here. And I don't know, man. It uh, it was not on the Luther Reigns or Heidenreich level to me. Not like actively bad like those matches. Mm-mm. It was just it was just boring, you know. And that finish yeah. just ugh leaves such a terrible taste in my mouth. It does. It sucks to watch a twenty minute match and it ends like that, you know. Again, with no story, with no reasoning. Like if there's a story. Like I said, if he's playing that little snot nosed heel and he's getting all these jabs in and finger pokes from behind the rest back or he's, you know, cheating and all of a sudden then you just have enough of it and you and you just get frustrated as the babyface does and he just takes his anger out. That's that makes sense. But that was not none of that I just said mm. was in the match, except for the exposed turnbuckle. It was one one spot. That was it. You know, and it's like, man, it just it just sucks. Like it just I don't know. Again, we're not wrestlers. We talked last week or the other week about how we, we tried a little bit, but you know, but we've watched enough to know what to, to do and what good storytelling is, you know. So I'm not crapping on Mr. Kennedy at all. It's just right. this was just they had to fill this pay per view. You got your four four of your top guys, which top guys in two thousand six are in the main event. So you you got a lot of a lot of real estate being taken up in one match there. So this match is bound to be a long one, you know. So well, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And the WWE yeah. is going to try, try again with Mr. Kennedy and Undertaker next month uh, in the Survivor Series. And this one didn't quite click, but they're going to try to amp it up with a first blood stipulation for that match. And that'll be what we cover next week on the podcast here. Uh, it is Survivor Series season after all, so we'll hit you up with that Survivor Series episode. But before we get there, we want to hear your thoughts about this match, Undertaker Mr. Kennedy Round 1. Did you watch it live? Were you there in person? What did you think of it? Did you love Mr. Kennedy back then? Do you feel like he hasn't aged quite that well? Are you enjoying him and NWA power on YouTube? What do you think of all that? Hit us up with all those comments. I know you're. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I know you're not enjoying Jim Cornette anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Talking Taker, and you can of course subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a rating. Leave us a comment over on you know YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere out there you listen to podcasts. Uh, let your friends know about it. Share it over your dinner table at Thanksgiving dinner as you're giving thanks and passing the stuffing and the sweet potato casserole. Ask your buddy. Ask your mom. Have you listened to Talking Taker yet? And, you know, download a podcast on their phone because <laughs> they probably don't know what that is or how to do that there. Uh, whatever you can do to help <laughs> s- support the show, keep us going here as we keep rolling, rolling, rolling. On to the last ride. It is Black Friday, and you know T Public has got a sale going on on Black Friday, so you can pick up <laughs> a Talking Taker shirt, a sticker, a mug, a hat, a koozie, any of that stuff. Uh, tpublic.com, search for Talking Taker. We got all our designs over there that we've done through the years. 30% off over Black Friday weekend. We would greatly appreciate you helping us out there and supporting the show in that way. But, of course, the best thing you can do is to just 
share the show with people and uh, just interact with us on social media that helps spread the word and get the word out we are so thankful for all almost 2,000 of you out there following us on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, we got hundreds of you following us on Instagram uh, the Facebook numbers are still pretty low uh, that's not our strongest interaction but uh, we love those of you that do interact with us on Facebook a um, couple comments for the Mr. Kennedy match this week at WWE Facts 24-7, the wrestling fanatic said they loved the up-and-coming Mr. Kennedy getting to wrestle Undertaker. And uh, here's a teaser for next week. They loved the involvement of MVP in the feud. Another young gun that we can talk about next week. Yeah, we'll talk about him and our our, uh, our love or hate or whatever for him as well. So Because he, right. yeah, he was new on the scene, so... And at Aaron underscore G09, Aaron Gilbert said Kennedy was his guy. So he was a Kennedy fan Dang. back then. Uh, I think a lot of people were. I'll be interested to hear people's feedback on this and what they think of uh, how he's aged uh, here in 2019. I'm real interested to see what everyone else thinks about that. And, uh, of course, uh, give us more and more feedback about that Broken Skull session with The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're happy to talk about that uh, uh, with everybody out there. Uh, You know, Travis, before you close us out, actually, I kind of got like a fantasy booking idea in my head watching that podcast. I keep calling it a podcast. Watching an interview and Survivor Series weekend. That's fine. I got an idea. Let me run this by you, man. I'm going to throw it out into the universe. All right. So we know Undertaker says he's not done yet. He's going to finish things on his own terms. 30-year anniversary is coming up in 2020. It's going to be the 30th anniversary of Undertaker. Survivor Series 2020, right? Think about Mm. they're doing this brand warfare still. Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Let's say they keep that going next year. Let's say SmackDown, it's a team of five. Maybe they have a mystery partner on their team. And so for the SmackDown team, because you know, Taker's always been a SmackDown guy. So whoever it is on, whoever their team captain is, gets on the mic before the match starts, and just like Ted DiBiase did 30 years ago, they say, "From Death Valley, weighing in at 320 pounds, I give you the Undertaker." Taker comes out 30 years later as a mystery opponent at Survivor Series. You can put him in the gray gloves and the old school outfit. Gloves, I, would, yeah. I would love to see that. Uh, and then oh, yeah. maybe he dominates, eliminates a couple folks, but maybe he puts over some new fresh guy from NXT on the way out, going out, uh, on the, uh, going out, putting somebody over. I think that would be something really awesome. Or heck, he could win it all and be the sole survivor. Who cares? But I would just, I really would love to see that bookend of him maybe his last match 30 years later at that Survivor Series I would not be disappointed in that booking idea at all man that all sounds great to me yeah putting it, 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 he could win it all you know he wouldn't want to he wants to lose his last match because it, the two that we mentioned he thought he were his last were Brock and Roman which the two people that beat him at, at um, Wrestlemania you know so right. yeah putting over somebody like a Keith Lee or a Champa or something like that, Matt Riddle, like even just somebody, or maybe there's gonna be a big guy. But the, there is some big guy that Shawn Michaels raves about in NXT. Uh, no, Scott Hall raves about. It. Anyway, maybe some big guy who'll put him over at the end. But yeah, that'd be kind of neat, man. Yeah, the book in his career, thirty years at at Survivor Series, I would not be mad at that at all. Plus, well, it'd be a 
an ending point for us. <laughs> Give us something. I'm just kidding. Take, I'm kidding. Please. <laughs> let, it, let it be over. Nah, I'm man. We kidding. love doing it. We're excited. <laughs> we got some fun we stuff coming it, yeah. up as we close out the year 2019. We got a couple of bonus shows coming your way. Um, yeah, man. We've got some fun for stuff the holidays, lined up yeah, for you some guys. Bonus shows. And you know what just occurred to me? I'll kind of end with this before I close this out here. Is that, okay, on the the same SmackDown roster as Kennedy, kind of this brash, over-the-top, loud, over-dramatic, overacting, overselling guy as Mr. Kennedy. And you also have The Miz as basically the same thing. However, he's less fit. He's not. He doesn't fit the Vince McMahon mold. He's not you know, as cut and as fit. Um, and look which one is still there. Wow. Isn't that mind blowing, dude? That's a great call, man. Like, you're absolutely right. It's the same kind of gimmick, and no one, literally, no one would have predicted the Miz would be mm -mm. one out of those two guys that would be future world champion Mm -mm. and have. We've talked about it for the past two weeks now. Fifteen year career. Yeah. Well, speaking of world champion, with this win over Taker, Kennedy has now beaten, defeated former four former world champs. We'll keep that going as we roll into next week. But if you were there in uh, was it Raleigh at the Red Blood Cell Center, whatever the heck RBC stands for, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it means. But anyway, the RBC Center. If you were there, if you were one of the Wolfpack on the state on the campus of NC State, let us know. If Kennedy was your boy, was your guy, if you liked him better than Miz, if you think he should be in Miz's place hosting Ken TV, who knows? You let us know. Um, we want to hear from you because we're going to we're gonna have to sit with Kennedy for another couple weeks here. So let's just keep going, keep this up. And, uh, again, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Enjoy some Black Friday shopping. It's the 26th Black Friday over on uh, T-Public that we've had this year, basically. So y'all enjoy. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Just falling down, falling down, falling down. Flooding <laughs> bridges, falling down. Oh my God, what happened? Somebody shortchanged you over there. Oh my God, <laughs> is your father a donkey? <laughs> Gets me a lot of days to chicks digging. I'm from Staten Island. <laughs> oh, 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 Church!